No, I'm from Los Angeles. I, I grew up in L.A. Hmm. So you, but yeah. you moved to New York first and then you had all these Midwesterners come and invade your life. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I used to have a dream. I had a recurring dream around the time of Boxer of a, of a spaceship landing in my backyard and all of these small aliens sort of climbing out and, and, and knowing that I had to feed them all. <laughs> I'm Christopher Hooten. And I'm David Rapson. And for the next few minutes, we're living on coffee and flowers. Boxer makes me think of a time I was walking around New York City at four in the morning and having a conversation about you. Boxer makes me think of a time when... They're going to send us to prison for jerks, for having vague ideas of the way to turn each other on again. They're going to send us to prison for jerks. Well, I mean, I have my own, uh, I have an interpretation of prison for jerks that I've had in my head long before we started even talking about, um, you know, discussing these, working on this podcast together. And um, it's been in my head for years, really, which is, I have a very clear image of two characters who... um, when, because of the, due to the line that says uh, for having vague ideas of how to turn each other on again, I, I picture a couple that has intimacy issues or is currently going through intimacy issues, and that phrase "prison for jerks" has always struck me as a very succinct way of perhaps their dim view of couples counselling. Um, now, I've I've never I've, you know I've I've been to counselling myself, but I've never been to couples counselling, so I have no real basis for this, and I have no real knowledge of what couples counselling is like. But um, prison for jerks. Um, as has always stood out to me is how I think these two characters who have tried to turn each other on again, perhaps, you know, some misguided sexual venture, some attempt to try and do something remotely sexual that ended in an argument, ended up actually going to couples counselling. And that's the couple that I've always pictured this fictitious couple when I, when I listen to this song, um, resentfully marching into couples therapy every on the weekends. Um, and I guess in somebody's residence in their guest room. I picture a therapist who does their therapy in their house, in the guest room, and these guys going back again and again and again. And it's a real like resentful uh, march into that office every weekend. I know that's hyper-specific, and that's just my own sort of uh, interpretation of it, but I've always, I've always sort of pictured these people really vividly, you know? Oh, I love that. Oh, my gosh, you guys <laughs> saved that line for me. No, I was funny. I made funny notes on guest room because I was like... Um, I wrote, I wrote guest room. And then the first thing I wrote was unfinished. (laughs) 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 And I think it's because that was, I remember us being like, oh, we can't finish this one. Um, And somebody else, I think Bryce uh, saving that a little bit. But when I, so when I listen to it, that's all I can hear is like, oh, I remember we, how, yeah, we had these big ideas for how we wanted to finish that one. And we just didn't. So in my memory, they're going to send us to prison for jerks and 
throw money at each other and cry were both lines of dialogue in a Grace Paley story. And I'll have to go and look again because I couldn't remember uh, which one. Um, it's not, uh, I mean, there, it's not any of the ones that I read over and over and over and over and over and over again. So, or I would have found it again. So I'll go and look. But um, uh, those were sort of lines in a in the verse I was kind of trying to write. And then he's got the verse about the young, glowing young ruffians, I think. Um, and then... I don't know. That song did a little bit get get away from us, but like, so what, right? Like, I'm, I don't know that we we were going anywhere better, but um, yeah. So I love that that could be about maybe it, Matt thinks he wrote that line. <laughs> I asked him this morning. He goes, "I thought that was my line." So I could be wrong. I should probably double check. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, well, first off, I, 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 Prison for Jerks is just a great term. I think I proposed it as like a title for the podcast. Yeah. Alternatively, Prison for Jerks. <laughs> kind of paints us to as real jerks, though. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a fun concept. The prison population will be huge for Prison for Jerks. But no, I like I like your reading of it. Um, and I think it makes sense that they'd feel a bit sceptical about it because, you, you know, like I've, I've been in therapy, again, not I've experienced couples therapy, but you do feel, you do tend to feel a bit like, you have misgivings about it. You're like, oh, is this really what, how I'm going to be spending this, like however much money it is each week? Yeah. I mean, like, so I, I believe, you know, I think everyone would could, can and would benefit from some, some yeah, therapy at, at some point in their life, certainly. Um, but that's neither here nor there for these characters. I think that they're seeing it as a chore, something like, um, you know, prison for jerks, man. It's, it's derogatory to the self, like we're jerks for being in a situation. And it's derogatory to the, the like admitting you need help as well. And like the fact that you're almost going against your will, like you kind of have to go, makes it the prison. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, it presents this image of a very kind of weary couple. I think it's interesting that the line, you know, for, for having vague ideas, it could have been, you know, for having no idea of the way to turn each other on again. But the vagueness suggests that they are trying, but like even that's not enough to save them from damnation. They've got a vague idea, but there's, there's still not enough. Bless them. They'll find us here, here, here in the guest room, where we throw money at each other and cry. Oh my. First thing that hits me in this in this chorus line is the uh, they'll find us here again. We've got it reminds me of the idea of uh, people coming for them in apartment story, mm. um, like they hold up together. Well, yeah. That's where they're always going to be. Yeah, I think you know here we it brings in guest room. Obviously, the title of the song. I don't think this necessarily disproves your therapist theory at all, but um, you know I can imagine a shrink operating out of their guest room. Um, but more broadly, I guess. Guests room, guest rooms do have a kind of an interesting connotation. Um, it sort of reminds me of apartment stories pre-wedding preparations, you know, with the idea of a couple unraveling in a guest room before kind of stringing up their best smiles and going and being sociable with the host whose house they're staying in. So I guess I guess that's what I think of when I hear this this chorus. Um, yeah, I mean, I, see, about the couples therapy thing, like I don't for a minute think like that's exactly what was going on, but it's smaller, there's, clearly, there's clearly a couple in this story Um in in guest room and it i guess for each listener who listens to this song you're going to think about your own sort of like relationships and your own your own people in their relationship in the story 
And um, whatever whatever your interpretation of that is, they're they're definitely resentful. They're definitely um, they're definitely not uh, enjoying what situation they're in. But there's a there's a permanence to it, isn't it? When they say like they'll find us here, it's that um, yeah, they're resigned to it in a way. Yeah, yeah, and and you're right to call out apartment story, I guess, about about that sort of like hunkering down for the foreseeable, almost hibernating in your relationship state. Yeah, I like the. Oh my, you know, where we throw money in each other and cry. Oh my. Oh it's, my. it's so self-reflexive. Oh, oh my, my. Oh my. <laughs> With I, the, I, again, sorry, just on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, throwing money at each other is such a an interesting way. Well, of, the obvious like, connotation is like throwing money at the problem, right? That's what you initially makes you think of. That's, I, maybe that even fed into why I initially had this yeah. vision of a couple having couples uh, therapy because uh, that's the other annoying thing about therapy is like those people who want to go to counselling have to pay for it. Like, unless there's some reasons um there's more and more increasing like mental health um uh help out there these days and you know i know it's something that's been discussed in england the nhs they're trying to get more people into uh for the get to get the support they need but typically it is something that like um you would have to pay for and there's a resentful like having to like pay for your self-help and um again i don't, I don't want to like this, this is my interpretation and it's it's i don't know if it resonates with anyone at all but um, these these people the, these characters that I really clearly see in guest room are trying to throw money at the problem, trying to yeah. fix their relationship. It's yeah. so sad about that. And again, you know, I have good feelings towards therapy, but during my time in it, there would you know the hour would come to an end, and then you slap down your how much money is in the desk, and it feels almost like a kind of a prostitution sort of setup. And I, I guess it's hard not to be aware of that. Although I think even though we we think of it as throwing money at the problem, it's more of a figurative thing i think speaking to matt he sees it more literally uh well i think generally this is another one that like i think um corinne and i really wrote together um um and, and this is the one where i think there's a lot of grace paley stuff in there and we, we were both uh i think I, corinne had a collection called enormous changes at the last minute and i was reading that and i think there's there's the throw money at each other and cry is, is from a moment when these this couple is like at a mailbox and they throw something they throw money one of them throws money at the other one just just you know s- small desperate little weird moments i find it interesting as well how like how money is again like objectified in this and it's something that we've seen um, throughout quite a few songs in this album about like we've talked about the themes already about you know professionals and uh, I'll get money I'll get funny again and quite often in the album you see um, money talked about in an almost derogatory sense and kind of abst- in an abstract way as well yes like an object like a like like one money yeah uh, as, as a thing and uh, <laughs> this is this is the money I earned it in my white shirt and now when I have problems in my relationship I am going to throw money at the thing I find it interesting. I, I don't I don't recall any sincere moments on the album where money is talked about positively. I think that there's almost like a I don't want to say self loathing because that's a little bit too strong, but there's definitely always a self reflection when money is mentioned in terms of success of Squalor Victoria or like the, the the bargain that you make in order to get money as an adult is always something that I've seen th- through this album up to this point. And um, yeah, it's the, the amount of the, your soul that you're giving is compensation in order to get the money. Yeah, and and here when we throw money at each other. It, it, it actually, it's actually most of the time when we've talked about money previously, it's about um, a single person's relationship with money, and now it's about money in a relationship, which is something that can be particularly fraught. Like you know, money between couples, it can be an ugly it's thing, awkward. a very difficult thing, or even amongst friends, not even just couples. Like money can be an incredibly, it's almost like a sterile thing. It's such a horribly like, it's yeah. it's, it's it's not. 
it's not uh, it's not particularly endearing to either party in this situation. And I guess yeah, so it's just another example of money being almost like vilified across this album. It's 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 funny to me that that keeps popping up. It's it's almost like um, it's almost like the opposite of you know, when rappers like talk about how much money they have in a aggrandizing way. It's quite a common thing. Yeah, well, I think I I always dwell on things like this is great Kanye West line where he's like having money's not everything, but not having it is. Wow. And and uh, there's a there's a skit on Frank Ocean's Channel Orange as well where it's his mum talking about like money is the difference between living on the streets and having a roof over your head. So yeah. that I, I guess this, but you know, this album is looking at things from more of a a white collar perspective. Yeah, and like yeah, I just think it's more. Um, well, there are, there are many there are many rap different rappers who talk about money in many different ways, and I just think that it's, it's not something, and it's something that's really prevalent in rap, but it's not actually very common for um, bands, particularly yeah, bands, like Indian alternative and stuff. Too, yeah, right? in whatever mashed up genre you want to call the national, it's it's very rare for uh, bands to actually literally talk about money that much. But that's something that does happen a lot across, across boxer, and particularly in this moment, it's an incredibly uncomfortable reference. Yeah. We must be in ruffians Going wild and bright In the corners of the front yard Getting in and out the car We must be in deviance They'll find us here Brian and I in my attic uh, Finn took Matt's words from other things and placed them to guest room and sang them. That's kind of why he never really liked that song, actually. Uh, I don't know if he does now, but he might. We miss being ruffians, going wild and bright, in the corners of front yards, getting in and out of cars. We miss being deviants. So it's like common themes are really starting to emerge on Boxer now. Um, here we have another protagonist who's kind of longing for youth and it's simplicity and its foolishness um there's some nice images of, of childhood here it almost you know how in squalor victoria we talked about it, how it was like a, what a child would imagine you do in an office right i almost feel like this is the other way around it's like an adult imagining what you do as a kid you know you're in the corners of front yards where i imagine is the kind of place you might make a den or bury something or build a bottle rocket and then you know getting in and out of cars i i think of how much time you spent just driving from place to place as a teen just like or just sitting around in a parking lot you know just more more time spent in those in those situations in those areas. That's really nice. I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's really cool. Also, if you uh, if you think about a film, I'm thinking about a typical American uh, teenage film. There's always like a lot of shots of like a lot of teens like getting out of cars with their rucksacks together. Yeah, you know, it's just always they're always doing something. They're always going to someone's party or arriving at high school or like you know, it's just a very it's a trope. I'm thinking of like and like you would you would sit in your car more as a as a like you know at that age you just get in and you just sit there and you'd like smoke or I don't know yeah and then I, I I I get I guess what I get why there's a yearning for that from this guy because it's just it's it's non non pressurized time you know spent it's, it's it's a nice couple of lines I really appreciate this for if only if nothing else the labeling of what it is that exactly uh, is being missed in this adulthood and you know throughout boxer we've we've discovered a lot of um themes about growing up and adulthood and what it means to sort of become uh, an employed adult and this is the first time we've really explored what it is that's actually missed when you do that. The, what, what do you give up when you trade 
um, part of yourself? What, what part of it do you miss? We get it explicitly called out. It's these silly things and the way you, you enjoyed being in the corners of front yards and being reckless and ruffians. Like, it's very sweet. And that you probably didn't appreciate it at the time. You didn't see that those were the magical moments, maybe. No, like being in someone's front yard would seem like banal, but yeah. it's actually the thing that you, you miss when you it's look back at stuff, it. It's the good stuff, man. the good stuff. I think it's important to draw attention as well that, you know, we miss being deviants. He, he talks about a lot of kind of like roughness and I think people often talk about the innocence of childhood but mm. it's also kind of like the nihilism and the hormonal sexuality to it I think it's just a time when you're maybe less guarded like you'd be at a party and like you know someone like making out on a couch next to your friend who's passed out but not seeing any shame in it or like a need for privacy everyone's kind of got their guard down more and is just living in a more kind of open way kind of getting to know their themselves and their sexuality and mm. I guess you can't be a deviant when you're an adult as much. No. Or you literally get labelled a deviant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas like deviant could almost be like an adjective of like cool if you're a teenager. Yeah. Like, you know that guy over there? He's a real deviant. We can't stay here. We're starting to stay the same. We can't stay here. We can't stay this way. Uh, yeah, I love that line. We can't stay here. You know, we're starting to stay the same. That the the problem the problem is the normality that they're and the repetition that they're, they're they're staying the same way they are and that's that's what's tying them up. There's a nice like um, it's almost like an ironic term, isn't it? Starting to stay the same. It's almost like starting to not. Mm, mm, yeah. Starting, starting to continue. Yeah. Starting to continue. It's a lovely. It's, it's another. It's one of those like classic Berlinger like subtleties of language. Like there's a, there's a million ways you could have phrased this, but it's just put just so you know. Yeah, I don't know where we are in the in the in the narrative of the story now. Um. Well, this is a real. This is a real comment on the the relationship, the, the couple that um we sort of started at the beginning talking about, and for a while we were. You know, we, we segued into sort of re reflecting on youth again, but now we're back definitely observing the couple. You know, yeah. we, we are. I think this is a, a nat this is a comment on like the nature of like long term relationships is that what you again it's a trade off. Like what you gain in stability of a relationship, you the, what the, the trade off is you lose. I suppose excitement and new things and it's that it's that it's that idea of like settling down, isn't it? And like we're starting to. Stay the same. Yeah, starting to stay the same. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, our little film, Meniscus, actually. And remember, there's that couple who argue about how their relationship has gone from spontaneity to something a bit more kind of routine. Come on. We spend all our time either in bed or on the sofa. Let's get up and actually do things. We do things. We watch TV shows. We agonise over what to make for dinner. We nap. Oh my God, I've never napped so much in my life. Oh my god! It makes me think of that great um, New Yorker cartoon that we talked about recently. Yeah, which uh, you know is not a great reference for the podcast, as we can definitely share it on um, some social afterwards. But a, a brief synopsis of this uh, this New Yorker cartoon—it's brilliant. It's a picture of this couple. I would say married couple is fair to assume. Yeah. they're on a beach. 
tropical beach. I think there's a palm tree, really picturesque little cartoon, and the caption. And they're in um, like sun lounges, drinking a cocktail. They got they've got a like, cocktail. This is they've got all the hallmarks of a great holiday. And the caption just reads, "Oh no, we're still us." Yeah, Devast- it's a, devastating. Yeah. It is devastating. It seems a very national sentiment, actually, you know, that you might change location in the hope that your situation will change with it. But ultimately, wherever you go, you're always going to bring yourself with you. Mm. Oh, no. Tie your woman to your risk. That's definitely, I think that's my line. And I, and you know, I think that's about marriage and trying to, trying to us to figure out like being two very different individuals, right. Who are like into the same stuff, but, but very different types of personalities. And in some ways, obviously in, in just when you realize that you're going to, you're going to, you're going to marry someone, I think, I think the, the 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 specifics of that you tie your woman to your wrist, give her is mean, meaning like you have to if you just tie yourself entirely to someone you have to let them figure out how you're going to tie yourself to to them you know and and you have to help someone figure out how they're gonna how they're gonna tie to you you know it's you, you can't you can't just say here tie yourself to me or I'm gonna tie myself to you. I mean, I'm, I'm overthinking it, but I think it's like you have to both do it. It's like feeding each other with a long spoon across a table. You know, it's like whatever that metaphor for for uh, heaven and hell is, you know, like in hell, they just no one starves to death. And the other one, they just you realize you just have to <laughs> use the long spoon to feed the person across from you. You know, and so I think marriage is like that. Yeah, the, it changes key. So it's basically um, Bryce wrote that music and it's this kind of very fat, you know, he was, he grew up playing classical guitar um, and I grew up imitating him. And so we have different ways of finger picking. He's in some ways more technical and maybe I'm more folkish or something, but he plays 
So like that, you hear this like fast picking throughout the whole song and it shifts, it changes key at the bridge. Um, and then Thomas Bartlett, who has since played on every national record since then, but this was the first, he's a brilliant pianist and keyboardist. He came in and played a lot of different stuff on, on Boxer. And you kind of hear his textures quite a bit in in guest room and other songs, but um, so at the end it does it has like a textural color change there too, and and it um, but that one feels to me it feels harmonically related to Brainy in a nice way. I don't know why, but well, it's actually it starts in the same key and and um, but yeah, it kind of again I think that was a song that was a new kind of. Yeah, you know, we weren't used to writing rock songs that had that kind of pace that didn't explode because all the ones on Alligator do in some ways. They kind of are more cathartic or something, um, whereas the stuff on Boxer is much more restrained. And it was kind of like, how do you do that? How do we do that in a compelling way without like Matt screaming his head off? You know, um, and that was hard to finish. It was really hard to finish. So looking back, like across everything that's just happened there. I guess Guest Room for me is such a song about, it's, it's quite a, a claustrophobic look at relationships and how to how to make them work, I guess. There's the bit about how, how to delicately tie each other to each other that Matt sort of explained. And then, you know, um, whether, whether you follow the theory that Prison for Jerks is about sort of like getting together in a couples therapy situation or if there's a more abstract meaning to it that prison for jerks is just some situation that you find yourself in with another person kind of trapped and kind of like trying to work something out either way. It's like, it's just very uncomfortable, but I guess the the meaning of it is about like trying to make it work. It isn't about walking away from a relationship. It's about intending to stay together and the difficulties that you can have in, in, I guess, you know, trying to stay together. Yeah. For me, I wonder, cause you know, the whole just tie a woman to your wrist, give everyone to tie the other feels like the key in the lock of this song. I don't, I wonder rather than if it's like about, you know, keep going, it's more saying that line is more saying this is how you should have started out, that maybe this couple just just tied themselves to each other too quickly, too readily. And that's what's kind of led to this, you know, them devolving into struggling with their sex life and struggling to just with the way they relate. Um, And it's sort of is almost being like if you could go back in time, you know, when you enter into these things, make sure that you tie you tie yourself to someone but give them the room to tie it back and and the, it's, it's about like making sure the foundations are right for something i think that's i think that's it is like um it's about that um i think that a lot of times in relationship it's about finding the balance and finding how to be together but to allow each other just enough room to sort of exist but also coexist Coffee and Flowers is brought to you by Vero, a subscription-based social network which respects your privacy and doesn't sell your data to advertisers. Follow Coffee and Flowers and Vero to find and search all the songs, books, films and other things that we reference in each of the episodes. Download Vero for free on iOS and Android. Go to get.vero.co slash coffeeandflowers. That's get.vero.co slash coffeeandflowers. Coffee and Flowers is hosted by Christopher Hooten and David Rapson and produced by Christopher Bolson. Julian Wharton composed the theme and engineers the show at the Bison Room in London. 